Welcome back again for another episode of a podcast that we have been doing here at our church, uh, Refuge Church in Manor, PA. I'm the pastor, uh, lead pastor, uh, Pastor Dan Hertzler. And this podcast has been uh, intended to be able to uh, bring the ideas and the thoughts of what discipleship looks like into something more uh, common, something what we would consider an everyday space. So whether that rhythm for you looks like going to work or whether you're at home or maybe you're in school or whatever your rhythm looks like, you can have those dialogues or those thoughts process of how does it look like to, to follow Christ? What does that mean? Uh, with me, as always, I've got these two guys. I'm Mike. And I'm Ryan. And uh, these guys have been helping us have these discussions. And uh, we really have just been trying to have that uh, discussions. And that's really the, the focus of what we're trying to do. And we're not trying to tell you what to do. We're not trying to say uh, we figured it all out. We are the masters of discipleship. Uh, that would probably indicate we don't know discipleship if we said that. But what we're trying to indicate is uh, a way to be able to have the conversation, the dialogue. And so uh, hopefully you've been able to, to join us. And if you haven't, uh, we're glad to have you here for the first time. A lot of what we focus on is if you think about the core of just being with Jesus, that we are human beings, not human doers, as kind of the saying goes. And so uh, just being with God, being with Jesus, abiding in him. And then from that, things should flow out. And so sometimes we have conversations more about being with him and other times we have things that what does it look like as it flows out from being with him. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about being with God. And we did an episode a few weeks back, maybe a month back now, where we just talked about uh, what are some of the stories that captivate you about Jesus and uh, found it really fascinating because uh, there's a part of that discipleship, I think, where we do need to be captivated by who Jesus is and captivated by who God is. And that spurs us on, hopefully, to wanting to be with him and wanting our thoughts and our actions to, to be in line with that. In fact, it can really be a, a really good method of discipleship, even if you are maybe uh, feeling like kind of in a dry season or maybe you're feeling a little bit of routine is just becoming routine of just stopping and thinking, well, what captivates me about God and, and why does that? And so uh, in that same conversation, uh, we want to do that in the sense of the Old Testament. A lot of times uh, we're quick to be able to talk about discipleship and quick to uh, refer to Jesus. And, and the Old Testament seems to be more uh, what is happens in children's church or what happens in the story tell, our story process. And uh, unfortunately, uh, that gets lost on really what is uh, a majority of the Bible and a majority of the, the um, individuals and the, the prophecies and the stories that are told to reveal to us who God is. Yes, Jesus is the greatest expression of God, and he is the one that we are to follow, but Jesus himself referred to the Old Testament. Jesus himself was the one that said he brings this all to its kind of highest point, and so we should see the Old Testament as something that is good, something that reveals God, something that should draw us in just as much as, as Jesus does. And uh, again, depending on what your upbringing is, depending on maybe where you're coming from, uh, some might be sitting here and thinking about the, the veggie tales uh, kind of growing up that way. Or some of you might be thinking about uh, a God that kind of feels vengeful or a God that feels different than the Jesus in the New Testament. And I, I just want to hopefully had a kind of spur us onto that. So we're going to talk and we're going to share some about the stories that kind of captivate us and, and why they do. And uh, hopefully uh, that can be another uh, tool that you can use in your belt of uh, what it looks like to follow Jesus and follow God and just be captivated by who he is. So 
Mike uh, got you up here first. Uh, what, what's a story in the Old Testament that kind of captivates you? Yeah, I love this question. Um, and, and I think it's interesting, too, because this is probably a seasonal thing for a lot of people. Uh, sometimes, like, you're going to have ones that you love, but just in different moments of your life, like, different ones will stick out. But um, also, I think it, it matters, like, if you've actually read your Bible, because mm. like, I think back and I, you know, you know, not recently, but you know, maybe in high school or something like that. I, I loved the story of Samson. Cause he was kind of, he wasn't a boring character. There was a lot of action and he was like trumped up in my Sunday school class as this hero. That dude was terrible. Yeah. He was like a, he was not good. He was a failure <laughs> in a lot of ways. And so going back and reading and being like, wow, that guy, that guy yeah. was rough. Um, yeah. So, but for me, I think my favorite story in the old Testament, um, is Exodus, which is a really big book. It's a really big story. So walk us through the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and here comes the next hour and a half yeah. buckle up. Um, so yeah, no Exodus though, uh, just in brief, uh, basically talks about God, um, seeing the Israelite people in Egypt and making good on a promise that he made to, uh, their ancestors, um, and redeeming the people and then revealing the, the law to them. Um, that is a huge oversimplification. There is a lot of different things that unfolded and happened. But for me, one of the things that I really like is how God uses broken vessels. Um, mm -hmm. for, as a start, just with Moses, you look at Moses and, and his life and, and the different things. And also you think about Moses um, growing up in, in a palace that was the world superpower at the time and, and learning how to lead and learning how to lead well. Um, but then he also goes out into the desert and he probably thought it was, you know, time is punishment, but he's out there learning how to live in a desert. Now he knows how to lead people and be in a desert. If you're mm -hmm. familiar with the story, I wonder where that comes into play, right? Like God's preparing him for all the work that he has uh, ahead of him. But, um, I think for me, one of the most significant pieces of it, um, is God saving his people. He's saying, those are my people. Those are my kids yeah. and I love them and I'm going to intervene. Mm -hmm. And that's the story. And he reveals his character. There's, there's different moments. He talks about his glory, I think, in Exodus 33, which talks about his goodness, his kindness, his graciousness. Um, and then it talks about his character a little bit later in Exodus 34, which is just his love. He's slow to anger. He's faithful, um, full of mercy. Just these different characteristics of him. And, and Dan, you said something that, that I actually want to touch on, talking yeah. about even the idea of a vengeful God. Yeah. Um, because I, I really struggled with that for a while. Um, but one of the interesting things about Exodus, if you go back and, and just read that story, is when you think about when God revealed the law or the do's and don'ts or whatever it was, he didn't do so whenever he said, hey, I'm going to intervene and I'm going to redeem you. But only if you can follow these things, right? He pulls his people out after they've been saved, after they've kind of like settled in. He says, now here's the law. Yeah. Now here's, here's what a life that has been redeemed looks like. Yeah. And Jesus does the exact same things with us, right? He doesn't say that, you know, if you want me to love you, keep my commands. He says, if yeah. you love me, keep my mm -hmm. commands. Mm -hmm. It's the outflow of a saved life of a redeemed life. So I love the story of Exodus. I think that that theme, um, plays in time and time again throughout the old Testament. I actually think it plays into the new Testament. Um, and even not to get into revelation, but some of that stuff, I think you can yeah. see a lot of those patterns. And so, um, no, it's, it's, it's my favorite. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. And, and what you shared too is, is important as you read the old Testament. Um, you know, it's always in a sense of kind of um, 
uh, looking ahead, or it's always the Absolutely. idea of kind yep. of foreshadows what what we use uh, uh, in the storytelling idea. And you know, the Exodus is uh, telling some great stories uh, about you know even Moses compared to who Jesus uh, mm-hmm. is. Um, the idea of God being a rescuer, a redeemer, right. uh, a restorer. Um, the the idea of the promised land and and what heaven looks like and those types of things is all uh, played out over and over and over again in that story. And, um, you know, the other part of it that we don't often look at in that story is uh, Israel doesn't come off that great. (laughs) Right. Um, They're terrible. Yeah, they uh, they've got some problems. And, um, you know, I think sometimes either you we beat ourselves up and think we have to be perfect or we look around and we might make statements about the church or we might make statements about other Christians and, you know, we somehow think we're going to be better or we should be better. And, right. and, and we really aren't. And we're just as unfaithful as the nation of Israel was. We're just uh, as uh, it's disobedient and we're just demanding as many things. And and those are all part of the discipleship process that when we we come to realize and be a, a little bit honest, you know, it's that sober judgment of ourselves to say, yeah, we're, we're not much better, but look how great God comes off uh, in this story. And that's the cool part of it is that yeah. it's a story about God uh, using these kinds of people. Yeah, I was just on a retreat recently, and one of the guys there was talking about, I, I can't really give much context, but basically it was a, a woman who, she was like just people watching, and she was just watching people, and, you know, she would see stuff, you know, like, you know, parents yelling at their kids and dragging them along, and, and she just thought like, hmm, just like me, you know, and, and it was this whole yeah. like, she would just look at these people and say, I've, I've done the same thing. You know, how, how can I judge, you know, just like me, but that kind of became the phrase of the retreat is like thinking about Israel, just like me, Mm. you know, I have done probably would have done the exact same things in that situation. Yeah. So it just was like, it leveled the playing field of man. Oh man. Like we, we have to be a, a people of humility that can sympathize, empathize, it's like we are so similar, yeah. you know, and that's what I love about the Exodus. Well, yeah. I think even if you think about the beginning of the story, right, and and God certainly intervened, um, but a lot of times we think if you're familiar with the story, um, there were uh, the Jewish people were living in Israel um, and they were growing in number, and so the Egyptians or they were living in Egypt, not Israel. I'm sorry, the Egyptians uh, enslaved them, um, and then at one point they started to. M- commit infanticide against the the sons of israel Mm -hmm. um and growing up in sunday school we tended to champion moses's mother for what she did and i don't want to take away from that but when you read it she put her son in the river to die still Mm. she's doing the same thing she took she took him as far as she could she still trusted god i'm not going to take away from that but she was following and and i don't know that i would have made a different decision which is a terrible thing to say right but like when you when you can recognize the humanity of it and not just think that you're better than those people not just see like oh well how could they allow that to happen with to their kids and things like that or anything like that it's like because there's this terrible government regime that was murdering them if they weren't doing you know what i mean like there's just all these different implications and things and life was just so different but it's also not yeah there's there's a lot there there's a lot to unpack and, and when you see it all yeah yeah, I love that part, too, where, um, you know, the most powerful natural element of the Nile, you have a baby, which mm-hmm. is the most vulnerable. In a basket. In a basket, yeah. which is also the same language that's used for the, the ark. 
yeah. that okay. um, you know, Noah built. And so in a sense, God is saying, just like I protected everyone yeah. in this massive ark, uh-huh. I'm going to protect this baby in a basset, bassinet or basket yeah. floating down the most powerful image of the Egyptian you know, regime mm. saying, I'm bigger and greater and more powerful. And then that, that theme plays out over and over and over and over again as, as the the uh the signs and the, the things that go on and uh, every one of those you know is, is attached to something that the egyptians worshiped right uh and god is just saying i am bigger i am greater i am better and um you know and to uh, witness that and to still not believe to yeah. still walk it's just it's baffling and i'm yeah. not even talking about the egyptians because there were even egyptians that were like yeah we're out we're going with you yeah. right but yeah I'm talking about just the Israelites, even back to what Ryan was saying, where in, even in our own lives, where we can see God move yeah. and it's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, when you, when you, when you think about the Old Testament, um, you know, one of the things that has helped me a lot, uh, not just with the Old Testament, but even if you ever find yourself uh, looking at a verse or a section in the Bible and you're like, why is that there? That doesn't make sense. Uh, I think it's sometimes it's, it's important that we always take a step back. It's important that, you know, and I've heard this illustration. I've used it many times myself. But, you know, if you're if you're looking at a tree and you're looking at one branch and you're trying to figure out, OK, what kind of fruit is this branch producing? And you're studying hard and you're looking hard and you got a lot of questions. A lot of other people have ideas. Uh, sometimes it's important just to step back and look at the entire tree is producing mm-hmm. <laughs> so that we can know in the end that, okay, I might not be a hundred percent sure on this one branch, right. but because of what I see in the, in the, in the tree, I know that this is an apple tree and the old Testament is a lot like that too. People sometimes get hung up on, you know, some laws or they hung up on some certain sections and, and, and it's worth a study. Trust me. I mean, you find some rich value when you study those hard passages, when you take a look at those things, but we always do it in the light of this, this grander view. And, you know, that realization, when we come, like we've talked about it here before, like when you come and interact with people, if you start with realizing everybody is created in the image of God, which Mm -hmm. we find out in Genesis, Mm -hmm. if you start with that, as you interact with people, that's going to lead you down a path much different than if you start somewhere else. Same thing with the Old Testament. If you start with the Old Testament and you say, God wants to be known and he reveals himself throughout history and it follows this track of this people group of the Israelites, you find out that God is revealing himself. Now, there's some twists and turns and there's some things, you know, like we say, hey, this this is some miserable people or this is, you know, people that do certain things. Um, but you realize the grander view that God wants to be known. Yeah, I, I, I think just kind of two quick hits on that um, really quick, if I may. And, and that is one, if you have the Bible app, that's amazing. Mm. Use it. It's a great tool. I love that they offer it for free. That's an awesome story for another day. Um, but the verse of the day doesn't cut it. Um, it can be really good. It can be really inspiring both in and out of context. But if, if that's what you were leaning on for your study, and I'm not talking about in, in maybe even hard seasons where you're just trying to hold on to something again, different, yeah. but if you're normal day to day, if that's all that you're leaning on, it's not going to cut it. But my other encouragement is, um, the, 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 what we use in the West right now for the old Testament, um, is, uh, it is a chronological ordering of, of the old Testament. Um, the, the Jewish Bible is actually same exact books that are in our old Testament. I would encourage you to look into that a little bit and see that order because it'll tell the narrative a little bit different. It'll paint that story and pull that thread with God that, that pastor Dan's talking about just a little bit differently that, that can really 
it's not a bore to go from Kings to Chronicles, yeah. right? Cause you don't go from Kings to Chronicles and, and it's telling a different narrative, yeah. but it's the same one too. Yeah. And, and I, I'm going to push back on you a little bit on one thing because sure. I know, I know you, uh, what your intent is, but I want to make sure people hear that when you say, it, uh, you know, a verse isn't going to cut it. What you're saying in that moment is saying, you know, there's more depth and richness that you can find when, Absolutely. You, when you go into that. But, yep. but for some people in some situations, as you tried to say, you know, there is a moment when God uses that one verse just to, just to, so, so never would, would you or I or anyone should tell you, well, this is the way you have to do it, or this is what's only the, the best way to do it. Right. Uh, what we're trying to say and what we think we found out, uh, I've definitely found out is when you, when you look at the content, when you look mm-hmm. at, okay, what's this, you know, what's this overall arcing idea in this verse trying to say, yep. it makes it so much clearer to you. And then that one verse can, can walk away. Cause we've talked about that, you know, the, the Philippians 4, 13, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I can right. do all things through Christ strengthens me. And someone takes that verse and then they, they apply it to everything. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, it's just losing the richness that God had intended in it. And, and you're in a sense, you're, you're, you're missing out. And so we want to encourage you not to miss out on the old Testament. We want to encourage you to, to do these things. And so just kind of thinking out loud with you guys. And, um, you know, as, as we think about the story of the Exodus, um, you know, what is something really practical that as you look at that and you, you shared a little bit, um, but you know, like what is something, you know, that just draws you into God because of that story? Is it his power uh, is it his care for the people? Is it, uh, you know, wh- like what is the story of the Exodus that really pulls all this in? Ryan, what, what's some thoughts you have? Yeah, I think I think I just keep going back to um, when you see the people time and time again, like they made an idol and they were worshiping it as Moses was on Mount Sinai. Like, so this, they, is, this is after the Exodus. Yeah, 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 this yeah, is yeah, when, yeah, they're, yeah. when they're heading to the promised land, yes. just for, if you're not sure. So, you know, God is giving the law to Moses, you know, he's up there for 40, you know, 40 days and, you know, all kinds of thundering, you know, and it's probably an awesome thing to witness, but it's just crazy. It's like, they literally just saw God part the Red Sea. They walk through it. It swallowed up the Egyptians, like they're safe. And then they make an idol, you know, to me, it's just like seeing though God, like Moses intercedes for the people and and God, you know, forgives them. And, And I just think it's just an amazing testimony of even in seeing the greatest deliverance of God they still screwed up yeah. and praise yeah. God that God forgave them, you know? And I just think that just really speaks to, as Mike was saying, God being rich in mercy when he describes himself, you know, merciful, compassionate, slow yeah. to anger. And it's just like, that was, I feel like really, truly like the, um, like the testif- testifying of what he said, yeah. like of, of who he revealed himself to be. So yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, and, and and to that point, it it you know should draw us into God that yeah. that uh, even if we feel like you know I can't believe I've been you know whatever maybe unfaithful again or I've done this or I've done that um, there is a sense of of you know the God that we serve is one that is over and over and over again for, forgiving. Yeah, and I think it reminds me too. You know, Dane Ortland, I think he said in his 
his book, Gentle and Lowly, um, like, you know, you don't, you don't climb to God. You, you fall into his arms. Yeah, and that was, I think, huge, huh? uh, yeah. like that was the act of falling in. You know, it's like, of yeah. course, we don't want to sin, yeah. right? But it was just like so cool, I think, practically. Um, it's okay to realize that you're probably not going to consistently be better than the Israelites. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, seriously, it, it's just, it's not reason. It's, it's not even possible to think that you're going to walk through a day and not need God's mercy. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Mike, any, any practical thoughts as we kind of wrap this up? I mean, honestly, I would just say, um, along what Ryan was saying, he went into it's Exodus 34, five and six. Um, right. It's not necessarily from the, the perspective of the idol, but him talking about his character, it says the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him. Who's Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation, meaning he's a God of justice, not a God mm. of vengeance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, for me, looking at this wrathful, vengeful God, not from the perspective of right. Whenever you hear the verse, vengeance is mine or any of that, but yeah. just this God that would go through, I really struggled with that. And then I came across that verse and it just stopped me dead in my tracks. And whenever I went back through Exodus and I went back through Genesis and then the rest of the Bible through the lens of this verse, through the lens of this is God's character. Mm -hmm. It changed everything. Yeah. It changed everything yeah. because the entire tone has to change because yes, he's a God of justice, but he is a God of love and mercy. Yeah. Mm. That's good. And, and that's who he is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was, I can't remember if it was Jonathan Edwards or someone, but, but they said, uh, like God's, um, judgment or his, his wrath is his strange work. He naturally is a yeah. God of love and a God of mercy. Yeah. You know, and that's how you get his mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah. I think that was that book in uh, yeah. Gentle Portland, Lowly as yeah. well too. That's a good book. We recommend that. Um, you know, and then that, that verse as you, you quoted there is actually uh, the most quoted verse uh, from the Bible itself. You know, when the Bible it really? quotes itself. Wow. Uh, it took me 28 to years to hear yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, that's what that, that verse is what it goes back to. To me, uh, the story of Exodus, um, uh, I love the fact that, um, you know, redemption didn't come to the Israelites when they left Egypt because sin kept following them in the form mm -hmm. of the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. uh, and it really it got to the point where the, the Israelites had nowhere to go. They were trapped by the mm -hmm. Red Sea, by the mountains, by the army coming. And it took the deliverance, uh, uh, you know, and of the of the Red Sea parting and of walking across that yeah. for them to to really finally see that that the Egyptians were were done. They were wiped out when they were when they were drowned in the Red Sea. And that just gives such a picture of what God does. Like, you know, we think sometimes we're beyond sin because maybe maybe we've gotten some kind of better moral code or we've gotten better more willpower, but we really haven't defeated sin. It only is because of Jesus yeah. that we can defeat sin. And so uh, that reminder and that picture of what took place and, and the Israel, like what could the Israelites claim? They could not mm. claim victory. <laughs> they could not claim right. that they have uh, any kind of superiority. Yeah. Um, they can't stand before God and say, look what we've done. They were, they were 
trapped. And that's what we are. We're trapped in our sin and, and we're dead in our sin. And it takes uh, the work of Christ on the cross to, to give us the victory for us to cross over. And I'm just thinking too, you know, they, they make the idol, right? The same place. But it's like, how often have we turned to some idol that we've made, you know, whatever, right. like, yeah. you know, some kind of thing that we're looking in that moment for that thing to be yeah. who God is. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just, it's just so funny that yeah. we can so easily judge them or how'd they not see it? And it's like, we probably didn't Doing the see same it today. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we're hoping again that, uh, just some of these conversations, we just sit around here and we talk about, uh, things in the old Testament that captivate us. It, it helps to draw in things and, and stuff that maybe God wants you to, to, uh, focus on or think about. I'd encourage you whether you're at home or, uh, maybe around, even around the dinner table or driving the car, just say, you know, Hey, what are, what are the stories that captivate you? And then try to unpack those things and, and maybe just sit there for a little bit. Um, you know, I think sometimes God wants us to sit. Uh, and he just wants us to kind of let it marinate in us. And so uh, maybe that can be encouragement for you. If, you. if you ever have any questions or thoughts or you maybe things that you don't quite understand, uh, you know, we'd love to help out, even if it's just prayer. You can email us at churchrefuge, or sorry, info at churchrefuge.com. Also our website, churchrefuge.com. Uh, we'd love to be able to help out. Uh, and again, just uh, allowing captivating stories of God to be part of your regular discipleship.